welcome back to the No Nonsense Anti-Racism Podcast. I'm your host, Nuri Yunus. I'm so happy that you are joining me again today. This is episode five, and I'm going to be talking about white lash in action. What happened at the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, 2021, will be dissected and discussed for many years to come. It was a shocking event, period. Think about it. One of the seats of democratic power in the most powerful country on earth was stormed by some of its citizens in an illegal insurrection. The world's strongest economic country couldn't stop a group of angry, rioting right-wingers from entering a political building that's supposed to be one of the most secure buildings in the world. Five people died. One was a Capitol Police officer, another one was a rioter who was shot, and three others were rioters who had medical emergencies. Now, there is no doubt that Donald Trump incited the violence. He lied for weeks about a rigged election, he riled up his base, his family watched the events take place like deranged puppet masters. But this episode is not going to cover any of those things. We're not going to talk about the political actions that took place that brought this event to its head. What we're going to talk about today is how this event is a clear example of white privilege, white supremacy, and what is often referred to as a white lash. White lash is short for white backlash, which is a strong negative reaction to a change or recent event that white people have against the success and achievements of black people. What wasn't entirely surprising about this event, at least to many people of color, was the light-touch response from police stationed to guard the building and representatives inside. Three questions go through my mind when I was watching the events unfold on television and that I'd like to break down and discuss on the podcast. The first question, why weren't more police present to protect the building? The second question that I want to break down Why were protesters not only able to enter the building, but to leave peacefully afterwards? Three, what kind of actions will be taken against those who trespassed, took selfies, and posted threatening messages online? Are these people going to face the full strength of the justice system? It can't be too hard to find them after all they were posting online. So these are the three questions that we're going to discuss during the episode. So many people are asking these same questions, and there's still a lot that we don't know. But I've been scouring online, trying to do some research to answer some of the questions based on the information that we do have. Let's start, though, with a little background information. The Capitol Police are a federal law enforcement agency. The Capitol Police have a force of about 2,000 people to guard just two square miles. For the Canadians, That's about 3.2 square kilometers. Their annual budget is $460 million. Note, this budget, this annual budget, is bigger than Detroit and Atlanta's police budget. Both of them much bigger cities with much bigger populations. The Capitol Police Force protects the Capitol grounds, members of Congress and staff, and it screens millions of visitors a year. Officers are expected to recognize the lawmakers who come in and out um, and are supposed to do their best to avoid offending them. Now, before the attacks that happened on January 6th, know that the job of a Capitol Police officer was actually considered pretty safe and prestigious and cushy, a cushy job. 
The pay for an officer is about $64,000 U.S. This is higher than uh, the other departments in the Washington metro area. Before everything that popped off, the Capitol Police Force was facing a number of different challenges internally. This included sexism, lack of transparency in general, and racial discrimination. The department has faced repeated complaints of racism, specifically by Black employees. There's a lawsuit that was filed in 2001 by more than 250 Black officers that remains unresolved to this day. They complained that anti-Black racism is rampant amongst the force. There are no Black men on the force with a rank higher than a captain. So I wanted to give that a little bit of information about the Capitol Police Force because before I jumped into this, I didn't really know anything about the Capitol Police. I didn't know that they were its own force that protected the Capitol buildings only, and like that is their job. Um, And so now knowing what I do about the police force, that they have a massive budget, also that they work very closely with some of the other police forces uh, in the Washington, D.C. area, let's get to the first question that I had posed. Probably the most important question that's being asked. Where the heck was the police backup? This event taking place was not a surprise to any of the law enforcement or federal agencies that were monitoring the situation. They knew this event was planned. Federal agencies were informed that thousands of people would descend on Washington, D.C. to protest on behalf of Trump's false election claims that the election was rigged and stolen from him. Three days before the pro-president Donald Trump riot at the Capitol, the Pentagon had asked the U.S. Capitol Police if it needed additional National Guard manpower. The day of the riots as well, the Justice Department leaders had reached out to offer FBI agents to support the Capitol Police. Both times, the police forces were turned down. Mayor Muriel Bowser had warned of impending violence for weeks. Businesses in Washington, D.C. had actually closed in anticipation of this event. The mayor had requested National Guard help from the Pentagon on December 31st, but again, the Capitol Police turned this offer down on January 3rd. Federal agencies had also seen dangerous and threatening commentary online. According to one analysis, the phrase, storm the Capitol, was used 100,000 times online in the month before it took place. The Capitol Police chief was well informed of the group's intention and, with all of this information, made the decision to not get additional assistance for his Capitol Police officers. Why? It's impossible to know exactly what went on in the chief's head, but apparently it's come out in some media that the reason for denying the assistance was because they wanted to avoid quote-unquote optics. What this optics means, I don't want to conjecture, but Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sund did resign after the events that took place. Let's clear this up, though. This wasn't just a protest that went rogue. There is a lot of evidence publicly emerging, too, that the riots and actions that took place were planned, and they were actually supposed to be much more sinister. Rioters brought weapons and initially planned on overtaking the Capitol building kidnapping lawmakers and assassinating them. Some people were there to protest peacefully, yes, and maybe they just joined the mob curious as to what was taking place, 
but there were many people who arrived to those riots with the sole intention of causing bodily physical harm to lawmakers. Rioters arrived with maps and schematics of the Capitol building. Some were tactical gear. Some had flex ties, which are those plastic bands that you wrap around people's legs and wrists. Some of them came ready with weapons, including guns, assault rifles, grenades, pipe bombs, and Molotov cocktails. And something beyond shocking that came up in my research, according to a recent report of the event, Mike Pence, the vice president of the United States, was only one minute away from being in physical danger. He was escorted to safety before the mob stepped foot onto a landing in the Senate. 60 seconds was the difference between the mob arriving and Mike Pence being whisked away by security. Now, many people are saying that the response was light because of scathing criticism of the Capitol Police for how they handled the Black Lives Matter protests in the summer of 2020, and they wanted to avoid a repetition, and maybe this is where those optics come in. But not only was the handling of the riot so light as to not really be called a response, it can't even be categorized as similar in any way to the peaceful protests that took place in the summer fighting for racial injustice. But let's compare the two. Let's compare the response from the police. How did the Black Lives Matter protests and responses go? Listen to the reaction of one Black man who was there protesting last summer and the response that he saw from police officers. You see the men on the horses here? They're going to start advancing. I realized that some of the younger kids that was there um, were running for their lives. They, they, they actually thought they could die. And to see that look in their, their eyes, that, that was what stuck, stuck with me, to see that type of level of fear in um, uh, another person's eyes was illuminating. The difference, I think, primarily that needs to be addressed on June 1st was the fear that the people have in their eyes from the police brutality. And yesterday, in the, the attempted coup, it was the no fear in their eyes because they knew that they was in charge. The police enjoyed their work in June 1st. They enjoyed that. They took pleasure in doing that. And yesterday, when they stormed the Capitol, they was uh, sympathetic. They made no preparation. Uh, none of those police officers was in riot gear. Everyone and their grandmother knew they was coming. You saying? And you're going to tell me that the intelligence agencies was caught off guard and only one person was shot? Only one person? That's, that's unheard of. If that had been um, black people, it would have been a massacre. What was that like for you to watch? Again, it was just further proof of what we've been saying all along. This was America uh, been exposed. What do you think it would have been like yesterday if the people there were black? Well, like I said, it would be rubber bullets for everybody. It would have been um, zip ties for everybody, handcuffs for everybody, been buses of people being trooped off to prison. This could only happen to white people. This is white privilege on steroids. Because had it been anyone other of a different hue, they would have been annihilated. Protests for George Floyd and against police brutality and racial injustice were peaceful, and still they were tear-gassed and maced, hit with rubber bullets, violently physically assaulted by police, arrested on bogus charges, 
Protesters were often subjected to police stop and frisks, they were followed home, harassed, and much more. Many were left hospitalized from rubber bullet wounds, beanbags, tear gas canisters, and batons, while police reportedly tore down medical tents and destroyed water bottles that were meant for protesters. Let's just take a minute to note as well that black people have been killed for walking, breathing, jogging, sleeping. So the fact that people were violently storming a federal building and could walk away unscathed and unharmed is astounding to me and to many of you I know. 14,000 people were arrested across 49 states during the anti-racism protests last summer, according to the Washington Post. The Capitol Police made more arrests on each of the first three days of the confirmation hearings for Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh in 2018 than they did for the Capitol riots. Let's compare this to the number of rioters on January 6th who were arrested. Do you guys want to guess what the magical number was? 52. 52 people out of the thousands that stormed the Capitol building were charged that day. There are a few theories that President Trump told the Capitol Police Force and maybe some other federal law enforcement agencies to stand by that there may have been political pressure from the top to not engage the way the Capitol Police Force maybe would have um, without this pressure. Um, but And this is an even more grave scenario. I think it also even more clearly demonstrates the kind of privilege that exists in the way that these rioters and terrorists really were treated versus other people of color who've been protesting peacefully for equal rights. We are going to take a very short break and we'll be right back. I need podcast reviews. I've been hearing such wonderful things from listeners. Thank you so much for those of you who've been reaching out with warm wishes and kind words, but it would actually be great if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Please feel free to write a review. I would love to hear what you guys think or drop me a message via email, nononsensepodcast at gmail.com. Okay, so we just talked about question number one. Let's go to question number two. Why were protesters not only able to enter the building, but to leave peacefully afterwards? As I mentioned, out of the thousands of rioters who took part, only around 50 were detained that day, detained and charged that day. Between May 30th and June 2nd of 2020, at the height of the racial justice protests, 427 unrest-related arrests were made in D.C., including 24 juveniles, according to police departments. On June 1st alone, more than five times the number of people were arrested than on the day of the Capitol being stormed. 289 people were booked on charges. I'm sure some of you also saw the photos that Capitol Police officers were taking selfies with demonstrators, and there's a video of them even opening the gate to let them in. So who are these cops and what's going to happen? At the moment, three of the Capitol Police officers have been suspended and 17 more are under investigation. The Capitol Police Force is not very well known for transparency, so who these specific officers are, we don't know yet. But one of the Capitol officers who did get suspended has spoken out about why he did what he did. 
This is an officer. His name is Lieutenant Tarek Khalid Johnson. He's a black officer, and he was wearing a red MAGA hat. Make America Great Again. He was also directing rioters into the Capitol. According to him, he had told his colleagues that he did it so that he could get his fellow officers out of harm's way, and he said by wearing the hat, it allowed him to gain rioters' trust. Johnson claims that he tried to request permission from his superiors on the plan to wear the hat, but he couldn't hear anything over the sound of the protests. So whether he did it just to blend in with the crowd to deceive them so that he could help his officers, we don't know. But this is his story for why he was wearing a MAGA hat during the riots. So again, why were the thousands of rioters able to just, like, not only to walk into the building, but to leave peacefully afterwards? There were no cops waiting to arrest every single person. Yes, there was one woman who was shot by Capitol Police officers, and that officer, I think, is also suspended until further notice. Some cops have come out and shared their side of the story, the Capitol Police officers, that they were scared to shoot at the rioters because they knew that the rioters also had guns and weapons. A D.C. police officer named Daniel Hodges went on the record to say, I didn't want to be the guy who starts shooting because I knew they had guns. We had been seizing guns all day. I think this probably just makes the argument a little bit more muddled because federal law agencies, so they did communicate that the rioters had weapons and still didn't bring enough police. Like, it is also maddening. Now, please don't mistake my questions about the lack of violence as a statement of support for violence. I'm glad the police managed to show restraint. What I'm disappointed with is that Black people and their allies did not receive the same kindness when they protested for racial justice. I am merely pointing out the difference in treatment. I do not condone violence, and I do not wish that the protesters on January 6th received physical violence. Of course, one of the big arguments that we hear a lot is, well, why would these white police officers manhandle and harass these rioters when they looked like them? When there were other white men protesting. White men descending on a building? No big deal. How bad could this be? Let me correct myself. Majority white men. There were also white women, and there were also people of color in the audience. I saw them when I was watching videos back. Very confused. The privilege of the rioters was on full display, then and now. In the words of a fantastic article on this from Masha Gessen from The New Yorker, The invaders may be full of contempt for a system that they think doesn't represent them, but on Wednesday they managed to prove that it does. The system, which shrugged off their violence like it had been a toddler's tantrum, represents them. It's the rest of us it's failing to protect. This is not only a part of recent history, but also our historical legacy in the United States and Canada and really across the world. When white people protest, it's a protest. When black people protest, it's a riot. And they are treated accordingly. The third question that I really want to dissect is what kind of actions are going to be taken against those rioters who trespassed, took selfies, and posted threatening messages online? Will they face the full strength of the justice system? I wish I could say that I felt positive about this, but we're already seeing how these people are going to be treated differently. 
I made the news that Jake Angel, also known as QAnon Shaman, whose real name is Jacob Chansley, is being fed organic food in jail after being arrested for his involvement in the Capitol attack. He refused to eat the food provided in jail, and a court granted his request to eat only organic food. This is in stark contrast to the treatment that others have received when they complained about the same issue. Muslim ICE detainees were forced to eat pork against their religion, but this man gets to eat organic food in jail? Chansley is the guy who left a note on Mike Pence's desk that read, It's only a matter of time. Justice is coming. He's also the clown in many photos of the day. He was topless, wearing fur and antlers. I'm sure you guys have all seen it. He's being charged with active participation in an insurrection attempting to violently overthrow the United States government. Sounds serious, so I'm curious if every single person who entered the building is also going to be charged in the same way. Including QAnon Shaman, there's a few more high-profile arrests that we know about. One includes a retired firefighter, Robert Sanford, on charges that he threw a fire extinguisher at a police officer's head. Peter Stager beat an officer with a flagpole. So far, the FBI has put out a call for help identifying rioters involved, and it's tracking down more than 200 suspects involved in the riots. Remember, every one of these rioters who scaled the side of the building, broke into lawmakers' offices, were allowed to walk out of the building. Some were even escorted down the steps gingerly. People being arrested aren't just average Joes. They include Navy SEAL reservists, off-duty cops, lawyers, an Olympic swimmer, and military veterans. In a recent interview with media, one of the rioters arrested and charged by the FBI, a realtor named Jenna Ryan, pleaded to Trump for a pardon. Take a listen. I felt like I was doing my patriotic duty. So me personally, I do not feel a sense of shame or guilt from my heart from what I was doing. I thought I was following my president. I thought I was following what we were called to do, flying there. He asked us to fly there. He asked us to be there. So I was doing what he asked us to do. So as far as in my heart of hearts, do I feel like a criminal? No. Do I feel guilty? No. But I do feel um, a little wrong, wronged um, in the situation because I'm like, okay, I'm a real estate agent, and this has taken my company. Um, it's taken my business. It's um, I'm getting slandered all over the internet, all over the world, and all the news. I would like um, a pardon from the president of the United States. I think that we all deserve a pardon. We I'm, I'm facing prison sentence. Um, I think that I do not deserve that, and I think every person, you know, from what I understand, everyone's going to be arrested. That was there. So I, would, I think everyone deserves a pardon, and I would ask the president of the United States to give me a pardon. So you heard it from her. She thinks that she deserves a pardon. She thinks everybody who was there deserves a pardon. I mean, they experienced the kind of white privilege that they did during, during the riots, and now afterwards, maybe. They haven't been held accountable fully because they haven't gone through the criminal justice system. Um, and historically, as I've mentioned on the on past episodes, white people are treated much more leniently in the criminal justice system than people of color, especially black people. So who knows what, what will come out of all of this. 
Some of the actions that they are facing are, for example, being charged by the FBI for their actions, uh, especially all of those who posted on social media. But social media platforms are also taking action to wipe away any groups that reference, support, or incite violence related to the attempted coup at the Capitol building. So Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and a few others have taken action. They're forcing these terrorists to scatter their efforts to more fringe platforms. It should be noted that Trump has created a monster that he can no longer control. For failing to take further action, some of his supporters have actually started turning against him, saying in online forums that they hope he rots in prison, that he's no longer their leader. So the tides are, are changing against him. But it begs the question, what will America do with this growing problem of white supremacist right-wing terrorism? We'll have to wait and see. As plans for Biden's inauguration are underway, it's clear that there are still a lot of precautions that need to be taken against another insurrection or more violence. Violence has been threatened against state capitol buildings and against lawmakers. On Saturday, January 16th, a man was arrested trying to pass through a security checkpoint with fake credentials unregistered handguns, and more than 500 rounds of ammo. So people are really still trying for violence. And there's something else that I'm really curious about. When Black Lives Matter protests were taking place, what we heard to drown out the cries for justice was that blue lives matter. The Republicans, conservatives, right-wing, whatever you want to call them, are now very quiet about the importance of blue lives. When it was officers that were being violently attacked by these rioters. Do blue lives not matter anymore? As they face down rioters, would you say that they now matter less because the ones standing in their way were white? Listen to what Officer Michael Fanon said about his experience. He was one of the Capitol Police officers defending the building, and while he was doing that, was overtaken and beaten by the mob. They stripped him of his gear and his radio. After being tasered several times, he overheard the crowd shouting to one another that they should shoot him with his own gun. Eventually, some of the rioters circled him and protected him from the others until backup arrived. But this is the kind of violence that was occurring inside the building to officers. It's clear that there are a lot of lessons for all law enforcement agencies, not just in the United States, not just the federal ones, but the state ones, local ones, also in Canada and the rest of the world, really, about this problem of systemic racism. What kind of introspection are you going to do now within yourself? And for those of you who work in law enforcement, what kind of self-reflection is going to happen within your agency? You cannot have possibly watched this event without leaving with lots of questions. Questions that are likely similar to what we've discussed in the last 25 minutes, So what are you going to do about it? This is systemic racism and white privilege in your face. You can't turn away. Face it. Really look at it and come to terms with what's plainly written on the wall. Thank you so much for listening. This has been a roller coaster first few weeks of 2021. Let's hope that it gets a little bit calmer. <laughs> we can always hope and pray, right? Well, anyways, until next week, stay safe, wear your masks, stay inside. Bye.